Amen. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, please turn to Psalm uh, 83. Psalm 83. And as you turn there, I just want you to, to think about the words that we just, uh, uh, that just, just heard uh, at the cross. One of the things that you might not know about Isaac Watts, he's a prolific hymn writer, wrote tremendous, uh, tremendous hymns. We'll sing se- several of them at, at the, the Christmas season. But what, one of the things that, that people may not know about Isaac Watts is that he was primarily a pastor. Uh, what he would do is he would pastor his church, and the text that he was preaching, he would write a hymn based on uh, that, um, that message he was about to give. And during his day, it was unheard of uh, for anybody to sing a, a, a song in church that wasn't a song. You know, he was one of the first writers uh, that, that took uh, the scriptures and put it to song, and uh, his contemporaries thought he was a heretic because of it, Right. Uh, now we, 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 we rejoice in these words. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? What a powerful, powerful word. Um, so I pray that we would not be like his contemporaries, that we would always be willing to see what God is doing uh, today. We want to uh, take a look at, at Psalm uh, 83 as we continue this uh, kind of season through the Psalms. Um, Really, Asaph is the main player in this section of the Psalms. Uh, So we're going to begin again in Psalm 83, beginning in verse 1. Hear God's word. O God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. But they conspire with one accord against you that make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gabal and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre. Ashur also has joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sisera, and Jabin at the river Kashan, who were destroyed at Endor and who became during dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Zebah and Zamuna, who said, let us take possession for ourselves of the pastors of God. Oh my God, make them a whirling, whirl, whirling dust, like chafe before the wind, as fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze, so May you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this psalm. God, we thank you for your word that we get to sit under and hear and obey. Oh, God, I pray that as, as the word of God goes forth, that you will continue to build up their people, uh, mold us, make us into your image. God, I pray that this would be a time when we get to reflect even more about how good and powerful and amazing you are. So, God, we pray that as we, as we think about this psalm, that you would not keep silent. God, that you would speak to your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at the history of God's people, you will always find conflict. Uh, God's people have always been in conflict. Uh, and they have experienced some of the worst uh, horror and 
catastrophe that the world has ever known. Uh, the world hates God's people. Uh, that should not surprise us. The Lord Jesus says that the world uh, does hates you because it hates me. So we should not be alarmed at this hate. Really, I just want to look at this in two general general headings. Uh, the first is just the, the circumstances that cause um, that causes God's people to plea from silence. The circumstances first, and then the the purpose. The first is you see this the circumstances, the beginning in verse 1. Here's the, the plea unto the Lord. O God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. That is really the, the prayer of the entire psalm, is this, is this plea that God would move, that God would not be silent, but that he would act in power. Remember that when God speaks, power happens. We just came off the, the Protestant Reformation and celebrating 500 years, what God has done, did through them. And we, all, we sang, how many times have we sang, a mighty fortress is our God? You know, probably three or four. And I love how that, that second verse, that when it speaks of the, the word of God, one little word shall fail the evil one, the devil. Right? We get that from Second Thessalonians. The power of God's word is, is victorious. It is the same power that is today. Every time we gather as a church and the word of God goes forth, the evil one cannot stop the word of God. The word of God always accomplishes his purpose. So when, when, when the psalmist says, God, do not keep silent, is speak in power, move among your people. Now this speaking has action to it. Because when God uh, says, when the Lord Jesus says to the winds, peace be still, the winds stopped. But when God says, oh winds, while up like a hurricane, as it says later on in the psalm, uh, we, we know that the same thing happens. But there's this plea, O oh God, do not keep silence, do not hold your peace or be still, O oh God. There's a plea and a begging for God to move. And here's the circumstances. Look at verse 2. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. Uh, if you want to, maybe a visual picture of this, you can go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, when during that day the, the, the enemies of God started to, to join forces and started to attack uh, the people of God. And in those days when the people of God are under attack, there's only one thing they can do. It's to cry out to God to move. Their enemies are raising their heads in pride against the people of God. Look at verse 3. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. It's interesting to know uh, how often um, there are schemes against the church and crafty plans against the church. Uh, we live in a day where God's people are hated because of the message that we share. Even the message I shared this morning is that if we are going to be a faithful church, we need to hold true to the gospel. And when I say hold true to the gospel, the exclusivity of the gospel, that there is only one way to heaven, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe in his, don't believe in his death and his resurrection, that you are going to perish in a literal hell with everlasting fire for all eternity. That message is, is, is repulsive to our world. People do not like the exclusivity of the gospel. Because we live in, in a, a pluralistic society that says there are many ways for salvation. But Jesus says there's one. I hold the key. What I open, no one can shut. But what I shut, no one can open. 
So when we hold fast to that, the world hates that message because the world wants to live any which way it wants. They want to find their own way to God. This has really started from, you know, the, the idea of, of pluralism has been around for a long time. But if you, if you trace back um, the Western thought, which America is immersed in, you can really kind of center it down to the Enlightenment, really beginning in Voltaire, right? Voltaire was one of, a French philosopher that kind of started to rise up and saying that any man can find their own way uh, to heaven. But there are crafty plans that the people of this world bring against the church all the time. Even this week, I mean, I just heard, heard today what three different shootings ha happened in churches this week. You know, people hate God's word. People hate God's, God's people. But of all the crafty plans that fall against God's people, against the treasured ones of the Lord, that they will not last. They may have battles won here and there, but we know we have the victory. We know that we have a God who fights for his people. And yet these people are, are vicious. Look what it says in verse 4. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. You know, we don't really understand this level of hatred. You know, um, people may not like Christians today in America, but the reason why Christians are okay is probably because we don't really talk about our faith that much, right? You know, we don't really have to bring up our faith at the workplace, and we don't always have to bring up our faith to our neighbors or, or even in our own home. Um, you know, when we gather with uh, family for parties, sometimes we just kind of avoid the conversation in general. So we're not as hated, probably because a little bit of our own timidity. But even if we shared our, our faith boldly, in America, people may not want to say, I want to kill you because of your belief. I want, to, I want you to die. I want you to be wiped out uh, because of, of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Well, that's happening in our world today. One of my friends is a pastor in Iraq, and um, the level of hatred that he sees every day is, is brutal. When I went to Israel a couple summers ago, um, it is very, the hatred against Israel is still very real where they feel that they, there are nations, Iran and others, who want to destroy them because of their faith in God. They want them to be wiped off the face of the earth, to be remembered no more. Now, we don't live in that day. But could you imagine if we did? I mean, we live in that day because that day is present, but if we, we lived in a society where that was actually the case, do you think our prayer life would change? The urgency of our prayer life. God, do not keep silent. God, speak, move. They, Lord, they want to wipe us out. Nation after nation gathering together to wipe out the people of God. And they, he unpacks it, all these nations, from verses 5 to 8. And then there's this appeal that God has to the days of the past, of when God moved in verse 9. It says, do to them as you did in Timidian, as to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kashan, who were destroyed at Endor, who became dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all the princes like Zeba and Zelmuna, who said, let us take possession for ourselves of the pastures of 
God. These are all the, the, the different judges or the different nations that rose up or were in the period of, of the judges. When God rose up Deborah and Barak and, and Gideon to overtake these, these nations. And God gave a, a, a powerful victory. God is saying, do what you did then. Or the psalmist is asking God, do what you did then, O oh God. Come in power, come in, in might. Verse 13, O oh my God, make them like whirling dust. Like chaff before the wind, as fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountain ablaze, so may you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Those are just pictures of the Lord's power. A raging fire in a forest, a powerful hurricane, a horrific storm. It just shows the power of God. If you want to stand against the Lord, there are visible signs that we can see in our day that the power of God. But I want you to fo really focus on verses 16 to 18. There's reasons for all this. There's reasons for why the psalmist is praying these prayers. He wants them to be to experience the wrath and the power and the, the, the punishment of the Lord. Look why. Verse 16. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. God, bring conversion among these nations. Right? Bring your power, bring your might, so that they may be saved, so that they may know your, your name. This is the, the picture of what Israel was called to do in the Old Testament, to be a light unto the nations. And again, Israel failed, and they failed, and they failed. But, but here, there's this prayer that, God, would you come in power to show your might that they may be saved. Look at the change, the, the, the great prophecies of, of the minor prophets. I was, it was remarkable to see uh, how often God moved uh, in the minor prophets or, 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 or prophesied about the day when the nations would be gathered. Think back to Revelation chapter 1, if you remember this, this prophecy that, that was kind of referring back to, to Zechariah's day, that there's going to be a people gathered around the throne. All peoples are going to come to know the name of the Lord. So when we pray and ask God to, to work and move in our day, is the purpose so that they may know the Lord? Is the purpose that people will know Christ? So often when I see Christians pray, and especially against the things in society, against the, the growth of, in, in pornography, against the, um, the liberal agenda, the homosexual agenda, when I hear Christians pray, I don't hear that they would come to Christ. What I hear is, make my life better. I don't like being a minority. I don't like being on the outside of society. That's what I hear Christians praying. But what if we pray, oh God, do it so that they may know you. That they may, they may come to know that you are the Lord. God, bring destruction in their lives. Let their lives fall apart so that they have nowhere else to turn but to you. Is that the motivations of our heart? Or are we just praying under the, the idol of our own comfort? Oh God, give me more comfort. God, make, make America a Christian nation yet again so that I may have more privileges and freedoms. That's not the prayer of this psalm. Look at verse 17. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know 
that you alone, who name, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. There's a supremacy of the Lord here. He is the most high over all the earth. So when we pray as a nation, and listen, beloved, we need to pray. You know, don't, don't, don't mishear me. We need to pray for our nation. God has commanded us to pray for our nation. I pray that we are often like the, the prayer in, uh, the, or, the, or the, 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 what it says in Jeremiah 29, that we would plant our lives in our community, in the, in the lives of our people, that, we would, that our community would be blessed because we are in it, right? That, that we would help our, our community know the gospel, know the hope that we have in Jesus, that we would be excellent citizens, that we would be great um, parents at, of, our, of, our, of our kids' schools, Right, that we would be the best employees at, at our jobs. Right, that we would have our, our, our culture flourish around us. But those who oppose the Lord, we pray that God would, would, would stir up our nation and bring it down so that his name would be proclaimed. So that everyone know that he is the most high. If you look at what's happening in our nation, it's really just God showing judgment upon us. Our nation is, is a nation that has rejected God. That has approved what God hates. And God is allowing it to, to unravel. Why? So that they may know that he is the only hope. That he is our salvation. That he is the most high. You know, I, I, I'll have to be honest. I don't often pray as I should for our nation. I don't often pray that God would, would move in such a powerful way to make his name great in our country. But it's not just our country that we're after. It's the whole world. God's, God's vision is that his glory would fill the entire earth. That is the promise of the Lord Jesus. Right? He wants to bless all the families of the earth through the death, burial, resurrection, and the ascension, ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is now over the entire world. Right? And he, judgment is coming. And every day that judgment is withheld is God's act of patience to this nation, that they have one more day to repent. One more day. One more day. Will God's people speak? Will we pray that God would do things in people's lives so that they may know that and turn to the Lord? I, just, I pray that our, our church would just grow in its evangelistic zeal. That we would just live our lives to help people know Christ. Not just outside, but in our own homes, with each other, within our church. And we would, we would gospelize each other. We would preach the gospel to each other. But we would also pray, as, as this young college student, 21-year-old Hannah would say, that I would be bold to speak the gospel where I am every single day, even to people who do not know you. And that's the, the heartbeat of this prayer. Yes, there, there are nations surrounding Asaph, and, and yes, there is destruction that's going to come upon them. But he says, Lord, do it. For your glory. Do it for your name. Do it to prove that you are the most high. I pray that we would live, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted. That everybody in our, in our, in our sphere of, of influence would come to know the Lord. That that would be our passion. And I'm just not sure it is. I pray it would be. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would make us a, a people who do not look at our circumstances uh, only as a means for our own comfort, 
But God, that we would ask and plead with you that you would would work woe in in the life of those who are against you so that you would bring them to salvation. God, that you would unravel their lives, not to bring us more comfort, but God, that, that you would do so that you would make your name great and glorious. God, we love you, and we pray that you would give us your heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.